silky and filthy Where we talk a lot of hockey And a whole lot of bullshit Gives it away, Horvath centers, Patterson scores! Politely, why would I be polite with you? Are you kidding me? Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Never look yourself in the mirror, huh? You're always good, you never make the mistakes. Yeah, you know, they're a good team. They're a good team. They're a good team, they play hard. Obviously, they're a good team, they have a lot of good players. You're about to listen to some puck talking bullshit. Welcome to another episode of Silky and Filthy with your host, Trevor Beggs. What up, you silky studs? It's not Trevor Beggs. It's Kyle Bowen, the co-host and producer of Silky and Filthy, a program that airs every Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, I'm only here for a brief moment, and that's because I got healthy scratched on the podcast. Yes, Trevor Beggs on this week's episode is joined by Canucks conversation host Chris Faber. And I did not get the phone call. I did not get the invitation. I got a last-minute request that, that that Trevor couldn't make it this week and that he already had something planned with Chris. Trevor, what did I do to deserve this? I thought we were in this together. Begsy, nobody called you Begsy before I called you Begsy. And you do this to me? Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. I see how it is, bro. I hope you enjoy the episode. This is Chris Favor joining Trevor Beggs on Silky and Filthy. I'm assuming they talk about a lot of things with the NHL draft. I didn't listen to it. I didn't, I'm not going to listen to this shit. But I hope you do, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, joining us today on the Silky and Filthy podcast, he's the pride of Nanaimo, British Columbia, beautiful city, and this guy does a beautiful podcast as well, Canucks Conversation. We're delighted to have Chris Faber joining us on Silky and Filthy. Chris, how you doing today, man? Doing good, man. Happy to be on the Silky and Filthy show here today. Probably the best name out there in podcasts. I got to give you that, man. You guys got something right going there. Yeah, you know what, man? <laughs> the, the, the time I knew that we had the right name, too, is uh, Botcher, man. Rest in peace. Um he, he basically, like, was uh, making fun of us or having, like, uh, I had a silly take about the Seattle Kraken. He's just like, wow, the guys with the Silky and Filthy podcast have a silly take? Like, how bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man. And that's something that's going to be so crazy, just, like, looking into the future. I know that a lot of people have talked about Jason Botchford and everything, but, like, when you think about how cool, like, Canucks Twitter is, like, it's something that's kind of created my show into what it is. I've, I've only really featured people that I've met on Canucks Twitter, right? And you know, that's how I kind of met you guys as well. And we've been chatting. I've had both you guys on my show, which is awesome. And, and it's weird to think that, like, how cool Canucks Twitter was, like, the mayor of it was Jason Boschford, right? And and looking into next season, it's like, what's what's this, like, if you look at Canucks City like a town and he's the mayor, like, what's the town going to do with our mayor gone, right? It's going to be really, really crazy to see what it's going to be like next year. Yeah, I think it's just going to be strength in numbers, man. You know, Jason Botchford was the man. It's there's there's no replacing him. It's gonna it's gonna be strange next season, as we've all said. But I think the best way to kind of honor his memory is just uh, continue to do what we're doing, right? Like he was uh, totally. he was a big fan of uh, of the little guys too. And uh, you know what? Let's just uh, let's just keep the keep the keep the ball rolling in uh, for the 2019-20 season, man. 
And uh, like you said, he was a big influence behind your show. So how about you tell us about it, man? How about you tell us a little bit about the birth of Canucks Conversation, one of the hottest podcasts in Canada? <laughs> yeah, it has been at times. I guess that's the cool part about it. Uh, I guess it, it, it's kind of interesting because like when I people think that maybe I just started this podcast and it like took off and it got a decent amount of following right off the bat, but uh, this is actually like my fifth attempt at podcasting. This is my fifth show I've ever done. Uh, I've done like a football show. I've done like a show where we would get drunk and talk sports and think it was funny. Uh, I've done another hockey podcast with two other guys, and I think I've done another football podcast. So this is kind of like the fifth times the charm uh, with Canucks conversation. It was, it was just an idea that I just remember putting out one day on Twitter, like um, just to hear the voices that are behind the people that are tweeting or people that are texting into TSN 1040. Like I liked a lot of the people's takes, and it was cool like interacting with them on Twitter. And I was like, it'd be cool to have people actually say the way that they feel instead of just tweet the way that they feel that was kind of the idea behind it and i, I kicked off the show with uh with my buddy kurt appleby he used to be the morning show producer for 1040 and it's funny because like the show just started with him super hungover coming on the show to just chat canucks talk about what it's like working at tsn 1040 and then it, it, it kind of just took off like i guess the idea was pretty good and uh a lot of people sort of enjoy hearing the voices behind some of these people on canucks twitter and yeah i guess you know like 30 episodes in now at this point, which is kind of cool. Every fifth episode, I'd like to try and feature someone from media and, and even throwing it back to what we were just talking about there. Like Jason Botcher came on early on episode five when we had like 30 people listening. And uh, at that point, it was just like it blew up from there. That was the first time we like hit the hundreds of listeners. And then, you know, we did some mega episodes like episode 20. That's like when I had like eight or nine, I think I had nine people on that episode from Canucks Media. And that's just nuts to that point, like five and a half hour podcasts and everything. But in the end, it's I. I don't even do a lot of work. I kind of just like lead the interview, lead the conversation, and and get to hear from Canucks Twitter, which is kind of the cool thing to to hear the voices behind the tweets because you can only really say so much with 280 characters or whatever it is. But I think when when you kind of open it up to the format that I've been doing with interviews, it's it's really cool to hear what these people have to say. Well, I think that's the cool thing about Canucks conversation in general. Like you said, you like to feature the voices of Canucks Twitter. You like to feature voices from media. You get a barrage of different people on the program, but you do you do a great job of getting everyone's um, stories out there. I think you're like a great moderator on the podcast, man. Like, there's just there's been a lot of great moments for the show. But but how about yourself? Like, what do you think? Like, what's been some of your favorite moments uh, on Canucks conversation so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, thanks. I appreciate that, first of all. And I guess, Any, anytime, man. If you need some tire pumping, <laughs> silky and filthy, we're here for you, man. You know it, man. I, that's the best part about going on another podcast. You just pump tires and you get your tires <laughs> pumped up real nicely. So, um, yeah, I guess, like, I've kind of mentioned it a couple times. Uh, some of the shows that I've really enjoyed doing, obviously, um, putting together the Botchford Memorial episode, that was unreal. Like, just... I, I think I mentioned it a bunch of times. Like there was there was times that we were crying. There was most of the time we were just smiling. And it's something that I mentioned at the end. Like when I heard, I think I did all those interviews in one day. So I did eight interviews in one day with like five and a half hours of podcasting. And at the end, like um, whoever I finished up on, I uh, like I told them I was like, man, like my cheeks hurt so much from smiling because like hearing these stories um, about Jason Botcher was so cool. Like all these people had a different story and a different take on like how they interacted with him, whether it just be on Twitter or how it was like him helping them out in their career, meeting them in person. That, that was a really cool episode. Obviously that's probably number one, but aside from that, it was, um, it's interesting because I'm a huge fan of podcasts. Like, man, I, I work at a mill. I stand at one job where I just press one button and watch wood go by the whole time. Uh, it's so mind numbing that I have to listen to like 40 hours of podcasts a week. So I'm a huge fan of podcasts. 
um, including yours, of course. Love listening to you guys. I think I told Kyle when he was on my show the other day. I listened to you guys over 31 thoughts the other day. Oh, so oh man, I you hope made, that's you, a good. You made good my heart. You made my heart melt, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that that was really cool. But I guess the other ones that I've enjoyed was uh, was actually interviewing other podcasters. I know that uh, Justin Morris had from Real Good Show. He's been a show that I've been listening to for years. Uh, you know, listen to them as soon as their episode would drop when I was at the mill, and and also uh, Ryan Schaff from Pucks on Net. Just, just interviewing other guys that do like do this kind of work, and I've been putting out consistently putting out podcasts. And so, like, those are a couple of my favorites for sure. Oh man, that's uh, yeah. You, you've had a lot of beauty guests on, man. It's uh, always been a treat listening to your show. Like you said, thirty episodes in now, you're still killing it. Uh, how are you taking a little break for the summer? Or are you just gonna keep rolling through July and August, man? What's your plans? Ah uh, man, yeah, I, I can't take no breaks, man. This train is rolling, and I'm, I'm just gonna keep going every every single week here. I've banked uh, some interviews that are like gonna come out with some uh, some other big names. I'm kind of banked them, so like I'm trying to save them because like I like to put out the big names on like every fifth episode. So we'll see how long I can hold on to a couple of these. But I I don't plan on stopping. There's enough people that uh, still want to be on the show. You know, I'm starting to even like explore like HF boards and get some of those guys and some of the guys from Reddit. We're gonna have like some Reddit episodes and. Um, but there's there's still a lot of people that uh, that I haven't featured yet, and I know like a lot of guys want to come back on the show, but I want to get to everyone's voice first because that's kind of the idea of the show is just to have everybody's voice from Twitter that that wants to talk. Uh, I want to give them a spot to be heard. Um, so I'm just yeah, uh, not really gonna stop. I know that it's like it's gonna be the same questions every episode that I kind of ask, but uh, the train's rolling, man. We're just gonna try and get everyone's voice out there. You heard it here on Silky and Filthy. The train is rolling for Canucks Convo. And if you haven't hopped on board the Canucks Convo train, get on it. What are you doing? It's a great <laughs> show. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. And, and like I said, man, what you guys are doing is, is really cool because, like, you know, it's all, it's like we're both doing a podcast out of Vancouver, but I don't think we're competition because we're both doing stuff that's so different. And, like, what you guys are doing is so much fun, man. Like, that's the reason why I listen to you guys over 31 Thoughts because, like, just when when Kyle like how, man you got such a good good co-host too with Kyle like the fact that he can just roll into anything and like he always asks these crazy questions to you guys like that's that's the most fun part about your show is just hearing you guys go off like I know you do pop talk and bullshit but your guys' bullshit is fucking prime and it matches what you guys do with the hockey talk man I think you guys do a hell of a job over here yeah that that should be our the tagline for our next commercial some prime bullshit on silky and filthy <laughs> some prime bullshit for sure. But hey, like like you said, man, and I think in the spirit of Jason Botchford, again, it's all about, you know, producing great content. Some of it's different. You know, it's just a matter of getting your voice out there, man. And, you know, at the end of the day, sports is entertainment. So, you know, as much as we like to analyze the game, we also like to have fun too, man. That's the thing. Like people talk about sports talk radio or sports talk podcasting is kind of what we do. Like that's two words. You want to talk sports, but you also want to talk at the same time. And and like not every conversation needs to be straight about sports. So I think that if you can find the right combination of sports and talk, like that's a perfect recipe for the show, man. That's why I enjoy your guys so much. I appreciate that, man. And uh, you know, like I said, your show's been taken off. But how about this, man? Like you're so you're in Nanaimo, BC, right now. Are you born and raised in Nanaimo? Absolutely. I've left this town. I went one year to go to school down in Victoria, and I left for the worst six months of my life to work in Grand Prairie. And uh, I don't plan on leaving here anytime soon, man. I love what uh, what's going on in this city. It's beautiful. Yeah, for the listeners who have never been to Vancouver Island, beautiful spot. And uh, that's where Chris Faber is doing Canucks conversation. Chris, how about the moment you became a Canucks fan? Do you do you remember it? Obviously, it's uh, kind of been in your your DNA probably since you were a young chap. But uh, how about you tell me how you be- became a Canucks fan? What got you into it? Yeah, being born in BC was kind of the first thing that happened, and then uh, I guess like even before, like the first Canucks game I remember going to, I think I was five or six years old. 
Uh, we rolled in there. Todd Bertuzzi scored a hat trick that game. Uh, he got a fight in that game. I think it was against the Washington Capitals. They won in overtime. So it was Todd Bertuzzi on a breakaway in overtime. Scores the goal uh, to get the hat trick in overtime. And, like, the place was going nuts. And this is old GM place at the time. Uh, it was just such a, like, that moment I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I've never been to a sporting event. I was so young at the time. And, like, seeing what what sports can, like, make people do and, like, make people be that excited. I was like, wow, this is unreal. I think, like, the next day uh, I got one of those red jerseys, like, the old the old ones that they used to wear as their alternate jersey. I got that greasy one in a Todd Bertuzzi jersey. And I was just, like, from there on, I was just hooked. Like, every time, like, we were out playing road hockey, we would play, like, every single weekend, like, all your friends and dads. I don't know if kids do that still, but, like, I hope they do. Because, like, that was, like, the funnest times of my life, like, growing up and just playing hockey every weekend, like, saying that you're Marcus Naslin, even though I was, like, the biggest kid on the court. And I was always bigger than everyone. I probably should have been a Todd Bertuzzi guy. But just that snipe that Naslin had, just falling in love with, like, what the West Coast Express was um, for my range. I mean, I was born in 1993, I think, same as you. And that's kind of where where you're, like, we just missed 94. Obviously, at one years old, I wasn't really taking in a lot of information about the Canucks. But the, the team that I grew up with was, you know, Mark Crawford screaming at them, like, the young Sedins coming up. And, and just seeing what, like, that team was able to do I guess for what bank for Vancouver, not really like what they were able to do in the NHL because they never really succeeded in the playoffs, but having them, you know, growing up and like starting to play video games and everything, like and playing NHL with the Canucks and playing franchise mode and all this shit, like that that kind of stuff just makes you like fall in love with what the Vancouver Canucks were because they, they were such a big part of my life, I guess, growing up. And then I guess it was kind of interesting because I, I I didn't really play hockey. I was like the worst skater ever. So I was a road hockey all-star, but I ended up playing baseball and kind of took me away from the Vancouver Canucks for a few years because you know, I was full on on baseball, ended up getting a scholarship out of high school to play ball. And just like hockey was kind of gone for a few years. And it's, you know, it's really cool to have it back in my life because it's like, man, this is what I grew up like in my childhood really loving. Like I didn't grow up loving baseball. Like I, I, I liked playing it, but I never like enjoyed watching on TV or like following the free agents and, and now, like, getting to do it again with Vancouver Canucks is almost just, like, what I fell in love with as a child. Now I get to do it, I guess, as an adult, which is so much fun. Well, it's interesting hearing this from you because, obviously, my uh, my studly co-host, Kyle Bowen, he's told a similar story on the show. He kind of fell out of love with the game for a few years. Uh, it sounds like for different reasons than you, but it's interesting, man. Like, again, when you're a hockey fan, when you're a sports fan in general, it's something you often grow up on. And even if you fall away from it a bit, it's, it's part of who you are and... Uh, it sounds like it's kind of come back into our lives. And hopefully it coincides with some winning in Vancouver because, you know what, <laughs> yeah. every fan base, you know, every fan, you know, there's different levels of uh, enjoyment. I mean, I wouldn't enjoy being an Oilers fan right now, 12 out of 13 <laughs> years missing the playoffs. But, like, for you and I, Chris, you know, born in 93, you know, growing up, like, the Canucks were at least a playoff team almost every season, right? This, this is the longest stretch in franchise history like we were probably too young to really remember the the messier keenan days like i start remembering the canucks in like the late 90s but 2000 was really the year that i started mm-hmm. uh started watching them like religiously and it's it's ingrained in my memory so you know we've been used to a lot of playoff hockey the canucks never missed for more than a year and now we're four straight years out of the playoffs um lots of work to go but hopefully hopefully this podcasting this love for the game is going to coincide with some winning in vancouver It'd be good. It'd be good for the numbers. More people start listening to podcasts if we get good again. Because like you look at what the city was like in 2011. Like I just remember being. I think I was graduating that year in 2011, and just growing up and seeing like jerseys everywhere at school. You don't see Canucks jerseys at, at kids at school anymore. You might see the occasional one, but when the Canucks are good, the city falls in love with them even more. Right? It's 
It's something that happened in 2011. That's why we had a fucking riot. Like, people cared a lot. And that's why people were so pissed off. Like, Canucks didn't make the playoffs this year. They're not going to have a riot because they kind of, they've like you mentioned, like to say it bluntly, they've sucked over the last five years. And if they can get back to the point of being a playoff team again with this young core, like, and just kind of reinvent themselves and make themselves be number one in the Vancouver market like they were with a bullet before. But now they're still number one. But the thing is, like, there's no other team that can make a push. The Lions aren't going to push on. The Whitecaps aren't going to push on. I'm like, the, the fucking Vancouver Canadians are probably doing the best job of pushing against them what they're doing. But if Vancouver gets good again, like, the city's going to fall in love. I mean, I know that some people mention it a lot, but, like, Vancouver is somewhat of a bandwagon fan base sometimes, right? Like, when the Canucks are good, it's all everyone wants to talk about. Now, I don't know what it's like for you over there, but, like, here in Vancouver Island, like, I, I used to love talking sports and talking Canucks with everyone at that time. And, and like now guys don't even know like they're like oh you hear about this Pedersen kid i'm like uh yeah i've heard about him like i'll get that like mid-season from some guy at work and i was like you know it'd be cool to have everyone like know a little bit more about this team because i think they're doing some interesting stuff and i think they're about to turn that corner uh with a couple of right moves here in the future i think they could be back in like that playoff mode and get everyone excited for hockey in vancouver again and like like you said man you know we'll say it one more time but let's make hockey great again in vancouver <laughs> We're on the right track. And yeah. we're, we're going to talk a little Canucks, but before we get there, I just wanted to give a shout-out to some players from Vancouver Island who are NHLers. Chris, did you ever have... Like, so you talked about Todd Bertuzzi being a, a role model or, you know, one of your favorite NHLers growing up. Did you ever have some love for, uh, you know, the, the, the hockey players from Vancouver Island? Do you ever have a soft spot for those guys? Well, I, I do remember the, the Ben brothers playing the Vancouver Island Junior Hockey League, and that's when the, the Nanaimo Buccaneers were... I don't know if they were actually here that time. It might have been in Parksville when we would watch them. But they were like these two brothers that are unreal playing for Victoria. And I think they might have been called the Cougars back then, or they might have uh, been... No, they were on the Peninsula Panthers. That's who they were. And, and I know growing up, they were unreal. And I think they would step up in the BCHL every once in a while and play. But uh, no, like when, when I was also really young, uh, my mom's way of like cheaply getting babysitting was just dropping me off at the, the Nanaimo Clippers games in the BCHL. Like every Friday night she would drop me off at like five the game didn't start till seven and then she'd pick me up at like 11 it was just like the cheapest way to do babysitting drop me and my brother off there so we we had like we went to every Nanaimo Clippers game for such a long time and at that same time uh Nanaimo was kind of what Penticton is right now like Nanaimo at the time was unreal I remember like everybody had like a Michael Olsen number 10 jersey he was the captain at the time the BCHL this is when the BCHL was so much fun like it was just so many fights the whole time and like there were some players with unreal skill because it was kind of hard for these WHL guys at the time to scout these players. So there was a lot of guys that would come play in the BCHL still and that were still unreal players. And and that was so much fun because, yeah, it was, you know, that was every Friday night and every, like, Sunday afternoon, I think, when they played in Nanaimo. So growing up, the Clippers, like, there's a lot of guys on my team. I mentioned Michael Olson. He was, like, the guy. He was the guy in Nanaimo. He's a captain. He was on, like, Jim Pattison commercials for the local car companies on TV, on, like, Shaw TV and shit. And, and those are kind of the guys that I really enjoyed growing up. And then, like, they would come to your school, play hockey against you, and floor hockey and stuff. And, like, yeah, I guess, like, the Nanaimo Clippers were kind of one of the heroes for me. But there, I know there's a ton of great island guys as well. Yeah, there are for sure. But, uh, yeah, shout out to the Nanaimo Clippers first and foremost. I mean, uh, you, even across Canada, across the states, if you're uh, you're in a smaller town, you know, you cheer for that small town team sometimes, right? Totally. And, uh, yeah, the BCHL, there's some great hockey going on there. Alex Newhook about to be uh, a first-round pick in the upcoming draft playing for the Victoria Grizzlies of the BCHL. Um, the quick shout-out to the rest. You mentioned the Ben brothers. I'll give a quick shout-out to a few others, uh, great players from Vancouver Island. Uh, Russ and Jeff Cornell, another set of brothers, I believe, from Duncan, BC. And obviously, yep. Canucks fans know these guys pretty well. Uh, Tyson Berry, 
Pride of Victoria, killing it for the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, last but not least for my shoutouts is, it's going to hurt Canuck fans, but Cam Neely, the Pride of Comox, BC. The interesting thing about uh, this draft coming up as well, I just found this out from somebody that I recently interviewed, is uh, so Alex Terracott, who could be the guy that goes third overall, his dad played for the Nanaimo Clippers back in like the 80s or something. Alfie Turcott was his name. And his dad, so I guess Alex's grandpa, forget his name, but Grandpa Turcott was actually the coach of the Nanaimo Clippers for a long time. So a little bit of the Nanaimo tie I found out as well between those guys. Damn, look at that. And, you know, Alfie, very underrated name. Don't hear a whole lot of Alfies anymore, but uh, oh, I, I like him, man. Beautiful name. Beauty. What a beauty. Alfie Turcott. <laughs> that's a name right there. Could have had that on our, our last episode when we were pre- previewing the, the best names in the draft, and I you know, stumbled over a good 12 names there. Not a big deal. <laughs> no, you did fine. You did fine, man. Oh, thanks, man. You know, I, I listened to it again, and I was like, holy crap, I absolutely butchered that. But, hey, there's some good names, man. Shout out to Montana, Onyabuchi. Shout out to Jet Jungles. There's some there's some great names in the upcoming draft, that's for sure. Yeah, Onyabuchi gets it, bro. That guy gets it. Onyabuchi, yeah. And Montana, too. Like, the sick first name and everything. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Like we you got, know that guy rolls in like French Montana and we're going, Montana! Everywhere he shows up, he's got his drop. <laughs> he's bummed with the Katy Perry for sure, sipping on the blueberry mimosas. That's what's going on. You know, on that with new him, Katy man. Perry is fire. I'm telling you, bro. I'm listening. <laughs> I'm listening to Katy Perry. I don't care what people say. There you go, man. Get it on the open here on Silky and Filthy. Chris Faber likes Katy Perry. And you know what? There's no judgment on this show, man. How can I judge? I'm a pretty weird guy myself. Well, if you, if you judge and say it's bad, I'd have to disagree with you. You know, like. Some good shit. <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll, we'll leave it to the listeners to judge. But I hope the <laughs> listeners, I hope you guys are a bunch of weird people too. You know, if you're if you're weird, we embrace you here on Silky and Filthy. Um, yes, sir. Speak, speaking of weird, I don't, I don't know if this is a good segue or not, but we're going to talk a bit about the Canucks season. Was it weird? I don't know. But let's let's start positive, man. What was one of your favorite moments from this past Canucks season, Chris? Yeah, positives. Absolutely. There's, um, I guess the positive parts are looking at what these young cores done and how this core's kind of jumped into being a team, like a group that we can actually count on to be the future of this team, right? I mean, there was a lot of questions about Elias Pettersson at the start of the year. Uh, I don't think there's so many about a guy like Quinn Hughes, but the fact that he jumped in and did what he did. Um, the questions like that Bo Horvat, is he a guy that's a, that's could be a number one center? Could he a three? Could he a two? He proved like absolutely that he's a great number two center, scoring 27 goals at the age of like, what, 20, 23, I think now, maybe 24. But, you know, the, what this team has done with the young core, that's that's the future. That's what Jason Boschford, that's why he only interviewed guys like Stetcher and Pedersen and Vesser and Horvat. Those four guys were the future of this team, and they are becoming the team right now. And I think that, you know, with – with this jersey change that they just did like uh, it would have been cool to really like crank it up and do something really different because this team is is going through a remodeling phase right now and if you would have just you know put a nice different jersey on these guys it would have felt like this core is now the core because we had the Sedins for so long they were the guys and now you look at these four guys that are kind of leading and you can throw a Quinn Hughes in that situation because I think he's going to be a leader next year on this team as well just the way they're going to play on the ice and and the young kids did it this year, man. Like, Pedersen scoring almost 30 goals. Brock Besser, even though he was injured, he was on pace to score 30-plus goals. Uh, there's a lot of positives on this team. There's a ton of negatives. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's been the same negatives for a long time. I think the cool part was seeing seeing a different positive on this team for the first time in a long time and seeing what they actually could do at the NHL level and just realizing that these guys in their rookie season have so much more potential. Or Brock Besser in his second season. Like, there's so much potential on this young core and once you have a core, that's where you can build around it. But I think they're just missing a couple more core pieces, and then you can kind of just start shaping out a playoff team. And, and that's probably the biggest positives for me. 
Yeah, I know. I, I like being optimistic. You know, sometimes you're too realistic about the Canucks situation, and it can be kind of negative. But there are some positives. Um, the Canucks, again, they have never gone five years missing the playoffs. So again, will will they bump the slump this year, or will they set an, a new low in franchise history? We'll find out. But Chris, what do you think? What would? Okay, I'll ask you this. What would you like to see the Canucks do this offseason? Oh no, I'm not letting you get off here, Trev. What's what's the biggest positive for you, man? I want to hear your answer. <laughs> oh man, well, the, I mean, it's hard not to just talk about Elias Pettersson nonstop. But I'll, I'll go back to one of my favorite moments of the season. Uh, Kyle and I were in the studio this night. It was the Senators and Canucks in Ottawa. Pedersen uh-huh. got the hat trick in overtime, but that whole shift to me was one of the best moments of the season. You know, he goes on the breakaway, rings it off the post, steals the puck, almost goes back the other way, gets checked, and then third time's the charm, and he rips it home for the hat trick with Brock Besser. <laughs> one of my favorite moments of the season, man. Like I was, I was screaming, man. Like that was a moment for sure. You know, that, that was, was yeah. that was so cool, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite moments, man. There's a lot of great moments in the season, but it's hard not to talk about Elias Pedersen. I mean. The first half of the season, this guy was on pace with no one but Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, Evgeny Malkin. This is like the company this guy was with until you know teams really started checking him, right? Like he he was the Canucks offense, and I think with a couple more years of getting adjusted to the game, he's only going to get better. Like this guy has brought some excitement to this fan base that hasn't been seen since Pavel Bure. I think he's the best rookie in team history, and yeah, I'm just excited to see where it goes, man. All about EP. Um, there's lots of negatives, but I like just I just like to focus on EP, man. This guy is going to be an absolute superstar in this league, and that's my that's my positive for sure. What what's the ceiling for him, man? Because it's something that I like to asking people like a lot of questions when I do get into EP a little bit. Like, do you, do you see that there is a ceiling for this kid, or can he get to like a level of where you're you're comparing him to guys like Connor McDavid? Yeah, I don't like to throw the McDavid card around too much because I do think Connor McDavid is in a league of his own. I think he's proven that at such a young age. But I do think yeah. Pedersen in his prime can be you know, a 100-plus point guy. I think he can be a contender for the Hart Trophy. Like He has that potential for sure, man. Again, I think mm-hmm. Con- I think Connor McDavid is in a league of his own, but P- Elias Pedersen can certainly be up there with the best players in the league. Absolutely. I was, I, was gonna, I was hoping you were going to call him Wayne Gretzky in the future, but uh, I was trying to get that out of you. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I, I say some controversial things, but uh, you didn't get that one out of me, man. <laughs> I, for me, it was really cool. Like When, when Pedersen, Besser, and Quinn Hughes had that shift in overtime, uh, we were actually at this. <laughs> so we did this thing called a bachelor party. Uh, one of my buddies was having a kid. They, he wasn't married, so he didn't have a bachelor party. He was having a kid. Uh, premarital sex no no in this book but you know all right <laughs> like <laughs> no, that's why you got married Trev. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but it, like we were at this uh, bachelor party or dadchelor party sorry before we had the kid down in uh down in port renfrew we were in this gorgeous cabin like it was sick man like huge hot tub all the boys down there and we're watching this together just like hearing john shorthouse say like i think he was just like take it all in folks this is the future and he just kind of was like quiet and like letting those three guys just like just fly around the ice just buzzing together passing like tape to tape passes and like it felt like it felt like the new era Sedins like what the Sedins used to do moving the puck like seeing those three play together on a three on three they were just buzzing dude like it was unreal to watch and like all the boys were there like we've been partying all day like just hanging out there's guys in freaking adult diapers and shit like it was all over the place crazy day and we're just watching like these three just buzz around together just getting so hyped and seeing like wow like like Shorty said it perfect. Like enjoy it. This is this is your future right here. Yeah, that is the future for the Vancouver Canucks. Pedersen, Besser, Hughes. Man, if only there was three on three overtime in the playoffs, the Canucks would be winning cups in a couple <laughs> years for sure, man. That would speed up the process a whole lot. 
That would be awesome, man. I like that idea. Send that. Send a little letter into the NHL. I like that. Yeah, I think I might, man. No, we'll, we'll co-write it. You know, get two <laughs> get two podcasts behind it. Yeah, we'll be good to go, man. Oh, two podcasts that has so much pull on it. Yeah, we'll get. Well, the, the NHL will listen to us. For sure. Yeah, exactly, man. No, we just got just got to get their ear, man. You know, we'll we'll, we'll make yeah. it happen, Chris. We'll make it happen. Um, you know what? The Cucks made some things happen this season. Uh, we talked about some positives. How about the low point, man? What was the low point in the Canucks season for you? Well, the low point for me is, and um, the low point is just like every year we we blame injuries, and it's like this team could have done something if they didn't get injured, and it's like that's the biggest problem for me of this team. Like, don't get me wrong, the defense isn't great. I think the defense needs a ton of work, but the defense would be okay if every single player didn't get injured, man. You're looking at guys on this roster playing in the 60s, the 50s. The, like, there's a lot of guys missing games here. Even Alex Edler just talked about the season that he had. Like, he put up a lot of points and played pretty well this year, like over 24 minutes a game, but he plays in 56 games. Like, there's just a big problem. We have guys like Roussel stepping in and having a pretty awesome season. Like, I, I was pissed off on July 1st when they signed all these guys, even Roussel, but just reading what, I guess, like some of the, former like the teams that he used to play for seeing what their fan bases were talking about with Roussel like probably should have listened to him because I think we fell in love with what Roos was doing on this team the negatives just have to be for me that we couldn't stay healthy again and again and again it's just like they're just beating a dead horse with this because it happens every year in Vancouver I don't know if it's something to do with the travel something to do with the medical team but like they need to really figure that out because you can't no matter how good your team is, no matter how good your roster is, and you think you're a playoff team at the start of the year, you're not going to get there with that many injuries. If you're missing guys for three quarters, I mean, you're missing a guy for a quarter of the season, or he's only playing two-thirds of the year, like, no matter how good your team is, you're you're not going to make the playoffs with that kind of thing going on in your team. So the biggest negative for me is just seeing that injuries happen again. Like, it's just every single year, man. Yeah, and there's no easy answer to it. I mean, it was, I guess, somewhat comforting to hear Benning say in his post, uh, postseason presser. Uh, you know, we've looked into it, guys. You know, we did three weeks of research on this and blah, blah, blah. And then I think that what was the – his findings were that they blocked too many shots or something like that. It was like, okay, well, great great job, Benning. I'm glad you did the research here. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. Injuries has been a problem for this team. It's a problem in sports in general, man. Like, you know – to even to look at basketball, you know, the, the Warriors just weren't the same without Thompson and Durant. I mean, that's just the way sports go sometimes, right? Um, but it, you're right. It, feel, it feels like it has happened to the Canucks a lot. Um, what do you think the answer is, Chris? Do you think it's just better luck? Is better training? Or do the Canucks need to chase some toughness in the offseason? I think it's, yeah, it's, I'm going to take the safe answer here and say it's a <laughs> bit of all of that. You know, it's, it's making sure that your team is I think that there is something to say about your team always being in your own defensive zone I think that their numbers even though their Corsi number isn't absolutely terrible their zone time is ridiculous when you see it per game against the other teams like I know that they're they're in their zone a lot of the time I think their Corsi was as bad as like 40 I think they finished like 48 percent this year which isn't terrible I mean you're gonna you want to shoot for 50 I guess but I mean they're gonna have times where this team is just buckled in their own zone and they can't get anything going out of there and I mean that's going to be a tough thing. You want to be in the offensive zone more. I think getting defensemen that can move the puck up is something huge. And I think they've addressed it a little bit moving on from guys like, like good brands. And I think that's a guy that, uh, that's probably one of the high, high points of the season. Yeah. yeah we, well. should have, we should have mentioned that in our favorite moments. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Pedersen's great, but man, they traded good brands. <laughs> oh man. That was a great move. And yeah, I guess like some toughness would probably help. I think, um, I think what, what's going to be interesting to see is like, is, like Luke Shen, I have no problem with him being the replacement guy for Alex Bieg. I think I don't. It might have been on your show. I heard this, but Alex Bieg has played like the fourth most minutes 
in the last four years on the Vancouver Canucks, like that's that's fucking insane. Like he, he should not be the guy playing the fourth most minutes on this team over the last four years. That sounds crazy to me. And I I think that like he's a great six seven guy, but I think that if you have a little bit more toughness, maybe it helps out a little bit. But I wouldn't I wouldn't chase it in free agency. I think that you go this year if if Edler doesn't return, uh, that's going to be really interesting to see where they kind of shake up with the defense because they could look at a guy like Jake Gardner to replace him. I mean, he's a guy who's played in quite a few games, hasn't missed a ton with injury. Uh, then you look at other players and defenses, there's not really a lot that I like. I mean, there's not really a way to immediately fix it. Maybe they do need to address something that they're doing with their medical staff because I forget his name now, but he's with the Golden State Warriors uh, as their medical guy now. And he was a guy that did a great job. I'm sure he had his hands full of this playoffs actually seeing what Golden State's gone through. But, you know, if they do address something with the Vancouver Canucks medical staff, they probably do. Like, I think Jim Benning came on last year, the start of the year, and was like, I'm going to be more invested in the medical side of things. And we're like, okay, hey, what the hell is Jim Benning doing playing fucking doctor now on this team? Like, I think that they probably need to address something like that. I, I do think the schedule makes it tough on them. I think the first, like, 37 or 27 games into the year, they had, like, a ridiculous amount more games than everyone else played. So that makes it tough when you're on the West Coast and doing some of the most travel in the NHL. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go into it, right? A lot of little things that might make it at least a little bit better if you can fix a few of those little things. Yeah, we'll see how good of a job they do at fixing those little things in the, in the next uh, the next coming weeks here. I like to call it bizarro season in the NHL. It's a, it's a, it's a fun time to be a hockey fan unless uh, you're a Canucks fan on July 1st. That's never a good time at all. <laughs> um, well, Chris, what we're going to do here, let's, let's try something out. Okay, on one of our past episodes of Silky and Filthy, we did something called The Right Angle. It's 90-second reviews of guys on the Canucks. We covered the defense. For this, I just selected a group of 10 names. So we're just going to have 90 seconds to say you know, what you like, what you don't like about this player, and what you kind of see happening next season. It's, it's going to happen fast, man. It's going to happen fast. So the first name right. I'm going to throw your way with 90 seconds on the clock, Antoine Roussel. Yeah, Antoine Roussel, 90 seconds on him. He's uh, what he did, kind of stepping into this team was really impressive. I think he he helped other line mates get better as well. His passing was great. He was the sauce king. Uh, I really like him on the same line for Tannen because it kind of gets for Tannen going a little bit. Yeah, man, I think a, a sick line next season. I think we're all kind of hoping Gaudet hits a. Uh hits another level, but a Roussel, Gaudet, Vertanen line would be pretty sweet. Uh, you know, Roussel showed an underrated passing ability this season. That's something that Gaudet and Vertanen don't do a lot of. I think that line could provide a lot if Gaudet is able to kind of elevate his game to that next level. Yeah, and I think moving forward, like, it was something that, like, when I was talking to a few people that were doing interviews in the room with them in the Vancouver Canucks, they, they all talk about what Roussel brings this team as, like, a leader. And, you know, he's a mouthpiece, obviously. We can all tell from just looking at him play the game. But if you have that guy kind of leading your team and helping these young guys see what like a leader is like in the NHL, I know that Roussel might not be the best role model for how to play hockey, but I think he's a great role model for how to like be engaged in a hockey game. Oh, for sure, man. And speaking of injuries, with 30 seconds on the clock here, I mean, Roussel's another guy who won't be back till mid-November. Uh, you think that's going to affect his game at all, or do you see him kind of jumping back and just being ready to go when he comes back? Yeah, I think it will affect his game a little bit because just his skating was good. Uh, I think that he's going to have enough time to recover. And honestly, man, like it's 2019. It'll be 2020 almost by that point. We're, we're getting pretty good at making these injuries go back to being pretty solid again and being 100%. So I think it'll bring him down a little bit, but we'll see what happens. I think he might make a good bounce back. Yeah, 2019. There we go. And next up on the clock, next up on my list is Nikolai Goldobin. Let's say one thing. Do you see him even coming back to Vancouver next season? Bro, Goldie's my boy. Goldie's got to come back and play with Pedersen. Their numbers are ridiculous. Like he's Goldie has not been given a chance by Travis Green. When he says to play 
on like he says play more defense he plays more defense and he doesn't get time because he's not scoring enough he's a guy that's been mistreated by in my books by Travis Green when you look at the numbers that he had with Elias Pettersson it's ridiculous I think they were scoring at almost 80 they were controlling almost 80% of the goals on the ice Pedersen's numbers were actually in the negative when you're talking about goal control when he was without Nikolai Goldobin. And that's saying a lot because Pedersen's plus minus was solid this year when he finished. And, you know, the fact that when he was actually with Goldobin, like the plus minus was so high. And then you look at the plus minus without him and he's in the negative. You're like, shit, okay, something's going on here. They knew how to play with each other. They think they think with the same mentality of like that one extra pass that you saw the Sedins think with for so long. They're both skilled players. And I just think that if you're playing Goldobin with guys like Sutter and Beagle, like you're absolutely wasting the thing that Goldobin could have, and that's potential. And the potential that he has to be a guy that can play in the top six needs to be realized, and you need to play him with good players. I know he was unlucky with Bo Horvat. When they were on the ice, it was like a 1.9% shooting percentage. That's terrible luck. That's nothing but terrible luck. Goldobin was making it tough on himself. Not getting in games was tough for him. Getting in a groove, I think he's got to play more with Pedersen next year. I mean, they had immediate success. They had fucking Erickson on that line dragging their asses down. They're still scoring goals. Yeah, that's true, man. Wow, good. That was a great little. That was a great little tirade, Chris. Almost ninety Yo, seconds. I'm on. about this, man. I've been writing about Goldobin and shit. I love Goldie. <laughs> like, give him a shot. Free Goldie, bro. Free Goldie. There you go. Ninety seconds on the dot. That was a solid ninety seconds, Chris. You nailed it there. Let's see. Let's see how you do with uh, Jake Vertanen. What do you see his role being next season? And more importantly, can he hit twenty goals? Will we have twenty shotguns next season? <laughs> Fuck, bro. I might go on another ninety second rant here because like Vertanen's <laughs> another guy. Like. Bertanen's like he has so much skill to play in the NHL and I think that we can't give up on him I know that people are talking about him being a guy that you can trade off but if you're going to give Jake I mean you drafted him so high so I know Jim Benning doesn't really want to trade him because it looks bad if he's trading the guy that he drafted so high so when Bertanen gets an opportunity at the NHL and he shows these little moments where he shines like that's potential he's 22 years old bro like he just got in the NHL and he was misused in his first few years he was bounce around the minors you put him in situations where he probably shouldn't have been he probably should have gone back to junior that year he shouldn't have jumped right to the nhl this kid had so much hockey sense to learn and i think that it depends i think that this year in his offseason i would love to hear like what he's doing in this offseason different because if he's training with like former nhlers that can teach him hockey sense a little bit more and he has so much raw potential he's so fast i mean there's times where like I know, I know there was one point in the year Connor McDavid was at his end of his shift, but fucking Jake beat him down the wing, man. Like, Jake was flying by Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid was at the end of, like, a two-minute shift. But anyways, he beat him on the he beat him on the stride, man. And Jake Bertanen, I think he does have the potential to score 20 goals. I know they take power forwards, take longer time to develop. I think Jake has a chance of being that, man. Two years ago, think about how much he missed the net on his shots and seeing what he did last year. He actually hit the net on some fucking shots and got 15 goals. I think this kid's the top... I don't know if he's top six potential, but I think he's a guy that you want in your middle six as a winger, especially in the playoffs, man. Another wow! Again, almost ninety seconds on the dot, Chris. You're absolutely killing it, man. Let's see what you have. Nobody else, though. I got nothing else. You got nothing else. Okay, uh, my boys. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll chip in more on the next guy, Thatcher Demko. Yeah, Thatcher Demko. I think it's going to be crazy. Like, how many games do you think he plays this year? I would like to see him play 30 games, and I do think Travis Green is a little bit more understanding of the situation. I think, you know, when the Canucks were out of it at the end of the season, he was giving Thatcher Demko more minutes. And I do think one of the underrated stories about Thatcher Demko, for as much, much praise as we gave Jacob Markstrom, Thatcher Demko had the exact same save percentage. Thatcher Demko had a lot of great games. You know, I think he's got the right mentality to be a goaltender. It's not easy to be an NHL goaltender, but I just think that this guy has the right mojo, man. He knows he doesn't let things bother him. He doesn't let things rattle him. You know, he had, he had a couple soft games. You know, one of, one of the low points of the season I was going to mention was uh, when uh, Brad Richardson lit us up for four goals. 
you know, Thatcher Demko isn't dead in that game. Wasn't his best performance, but he, you know, he had a lot of great performances as well. I think he's going to be a big part of uh, the Canucks next season. You know, we're, we're pretty set in that with Thatcher Demko as the backup. Yeah, I was at the Vegas game where he actually, like, replaced uh, Markstrom because that was an absolute shellacking in that game when they played against Vegas. But he came in, and just seeing, like, what he did to replace Markstrom at the time, like, gave me an idea for the future. They're like, wow, like, this kid's got some. Like, he came in, I think he saved, like, I think he only, he only let in one goal and almost 20 shots against him. And if you look at what he did at the end of the year, man, like, his save percentage was above 940 his last three games. He had a couple of tough games to start off. He allowed five goals against the Arizona Coyotes in that game. So that's a tough one to look at. But after that, he went on a streak, man. Like he, he finished the season going in his last, like his last, uh, his last seven games, he had a 924 save percentage or something like that. Like that's pretty damn impressive for a kid at that age. And the fact that he's finally got some time, I know his agent like had to make a push for him to even get to the NHL, but like, thank God his agent did that because yeah, he looked really impressed, especially in those last three games, man, above 940, 945 save percentage last three games. That's, that's the future right there, bro. That's the future. Uh, Thatcher Demko, a beauty. This guy, he doesn't get a call to beauty too much. Jimbo. Jim Benning. <laughs> I'll ask you this, Chris. Do you see Jim Benning lasting past this season? Uh, it's tough. I The episode I just put out for episode 29 was like, hashtag don't fire Benning because I had two Benning supporters on my show with me. Um, the, the tough thing is like, he's really stuck between a rock and a hard place here and he's kind of done it to himself like i know that people say that he needs to win and make the playoffs this year but it's been five years and he hasn't made the playoffs this is the longest run for the vancouver canucks like we kind of talked about earlier this is the longest run for a gm uh, in a long time that hasn't made the playoffs and hasn't been fired if he finishes this year and starts next year it's going to be like the longest run i think there's only a couple gms who have done it longer and the thing that's that's tough is like, okay, his drafting's been good, but Judd Brackett's been doing a lot of that as well. He's kind of, I think that Jim Benning's only making the first round picks, and then I think the scouting staff takes over. We've seen it in some of the videos, how much Judd is just telling him, like, this is the time where we take this guy. And, you know, then they draft a Cole Lind or Gadjevich or someone like that, that's your Demko type or Madden. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think he makes it out. Um, I, think, I think he gets fired uh, late season, actually, so... I don't think he makes it out of the year. There you go. That's that's a little betting prediction for you. Getting fired late season. Yeah, the Canucks started the playoffs. I, I kind of see your prediction coming true, Chris. Um, let's see if you have a prediction about th- this guy, the next guy on the list, Alex Edler. Will he be a Vancouver Canuck in a couple weeks' time, or is he heading to uh, greener, maybe not so green pastures? Actually, Vancouver's pretty green. But give me a little prediction mm. on Alex Edler. So he played more than 24 minutes a game when he played for the Canucks. He played in 56 games. Jim Benning needs to be bold. I don't think Edler's back next year. I don't think Edler comes back to the Canucks. That's interesting, man, because that's what a lot of people are saying. My prediction is that he's going to come back. I do feel like Edler's agent is just playing hardball right now. Um, you know, because he can. There's still time. You know, if Edler wants to test the market, that's fine. I I just don't see Edler leaving. That's that's just me, man. I do think at the end of the day, if the, the Canucks can offer him a two-year deal where he makes, you know, six, seven million a season, and that's okay to overpay him, if it's a two-year contract and you know what even if he's not protecting the expansion draft if he becomes a free agent at the expansion draft then he's a free agent right then that's there's no worry about protecting him or anything like that so i don't know i I still see edler coming back probably signing a two-year deal with uh with a higher average annual value um that's my prediction on edler i don't know man we'll see it's it's gonna be interesting again he played a huge role for this team travis green loves him he loves the city i'm just not convinced he's leaving yet man I think that the battle is between that two-year deal or the battle of him want, like leaving Vancouver. And I think you brought up a really good point that not enough people are talking about. 
It's like, I don't understand why they don't just sign him in two years and then he's a free agent and they just sign him right after the expansion draft. Like, he knows that, like, Vancouver wants him. He wants to be in Vancouver. You sign him for huge money in these two years. Then when the two years is up and he's a free agent, you know, he's going to be 34 or 35 at that point. If we want him still, it's not a huge deal to sign him, like, cheap and have him be, like, a third-pairing defenseman and just kind of retire a Canuck. And I think that what you brought up is a great point, man, because nobody's talking about why don't they just sign him until the expansion draft happens and sign him after. I don't get it. Yeah, people are just people are just out to lunch, Chris. I don't know, man, but... Well, we're going to move on to the next guy on the list. Uh, a little unfortunate for this guy, Sven Berchi. I still him. I still see him possibly playing a role on this team. I don't think you're going to get much value in a trade. You know, if he's healthy, he was on pace for 30 goals last season, right? I mean, I know it's a very small sample size, but I don't know. Where do you see Sven Berchi fitting in on this team, or do you think he's a guy that could possibly get dealt? Yeah, I don't. I agree. With you. He doesn't really have a lot of value. Uh, I think your best bet is to just kind of play with this guy, play him, get him, you know, play him with Bo Horvat again. Like, like, like he had a good chemistry with Bo Horvat when he did play with them. And I know, like, people are for some reason people are really excited about Tanner Pearson. Like, he's going to be the savior yeah, in our top six, and that's. I think that you got a better chance of a guy like Berchi being that. I know he's 26 years old, been around the NHL, he's done his thing, he's moving into that part of his career where it's like. Is he going to be an NHLer, like a full-time NHLer? Is he going to be healthy enough to be a full-time NHLer? Or is, like, is hockey just not the right sport for him? Like, you know, like, it's obviously head injuries are so tough to deal with. And once you've had as many as Sven has had, yeah, it's like, this is kind of a make-or-break season for him, right? And then, like you mentioned, the guy was on pace to score 30 goals if he stayed healthy. Imagine that. Like, we have a guy who who can also score you know, even 20 goals would be a really good season for Berchi. And adding that to the Vancouver Canucks team, his team gets a hell of a lot better if we got a good spend Berchi. Yeah, that's true, man. The pride of Switzerland. I know I did uh, kind of drum up a trade where you could possibly go to New Jersey if the Canucks are chasing some t- some toughness. You know, Berchi, mm-hmm. Nico Heischer, a couple Swissmen playing together. We'll see, man. My target was Miles Wood, by the way. I, I like that player. Blake Coleman's a possibility, yeah. too. If the I think they were interested in Miles Wood at the trade deadline, I think, yeah, too, right? His name popped up a few times. Exactly, man. We'll see how it goes. But no time for this because we're on to the next name. <laughs> we're going Jacob Markstrom, man. What a season for this guy. Uh, what do you see going forward, man? Is Jacob Markstrom a legitimate NHL starter in this league? Do Is he going to be the starter for the Canucks? Do they dangle him in a trade? What's going to happen with this guy? I think, it, you know, like a few years ago when goalies had a little bit more value, it would have been – would have been interesting to see what you could have got back from Markstrom, but what you're going to get back for him now, uh, I don't know if it's worth enough. Uh, I think you kind of roll with him, but at the same time, like what kind of contract is he going to get after this year when you have Thatcher Demko making a push? I'd like to see Demko play play 25 games this year, at least 25 games, and that means that you know Markstrom who played 60 games last year, I know that was like a benchmark that he wanted to reach for himself was to play 60 games. He, he started in 60 games this year, which is super impressive, and and yeah, he played pretty solid, but like you mentioned, pretty much same save percentage as a young Thatcher Demko who wants to make a push for the starter. And I think if there's a great trade to be had, I, I don't see a problem with dealing Markstrom and rolling with Demko because, you know, it's like it's like something that Botchard always said, like this team needs to change something and take some risk and be risky with something. Then like, don't just do the same old shit because you're not going to get good. You're not going to change the narrative when you're just doing the same old shit. Like, go ahead and trade Markstrom if a team needs a goalie at the trade deadline. Like, he's on, he's going to finish his contract up this season. He's going to be a free agent after that. And I don't know what kind of contract I'd like in the future for Jacob Markstrom, unless it's like a two-year deal. And I don't think that guy wants that at his age. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either, man. It's going to be uh, going to be interesting, man. It's going to be interesting to see what the next guy does too. we got two names left here. 
I'm going to throw Travis Green your way. What do, how do you feel about Greener? I know you've had some some quibbles with the way he's uh, run the team. Um, so how do, you, how do you tell me? How do you feel about Travis Green, and uh, what could he do to be a better coach next year? Listen, man, Travis Green's all right. Uh, like, I don't have too much bad stuff to say about him. But the bad stuff that I do have to say about him, I'm, like, super passionate about. Like, there's a lot of weird situations that I thought he – he could have done a lot better. I mean, Quinn Hughes should be immediately on your first power play quarterback. He should be that guy at that point. You know, playing Brock Besser, on a, like when they split up Besser and Pedersen, that seemed like a weird idea on the power play. Not playing Jay Furtanen with guys like Bo Horvat and having got two guys that could run to the net together with some speed. Like, I just think that the way that he kind of coached a few things wasn't great. But overall, uh, I think he's done a fine job with this team. Uh, I haven't really fallen in love with what he's done, but I, I think he's he's fine in my books is what I would use. He's fine. He's he's just fine. You know, when, when when the wifey says that, I don't feel too good, Chris. I'm not feeling too good about you calling Travis Green fine either. Is, is he really well, fine? Tell me how you really man. feel, That's man. What <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm sounding like a pissed off wife, man. It's, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine, Chris. It's fine. Okay, well, I'm going to move on to the last name. Things are not so fine with this guy. Uncle Louie. Can this guy can this guy really come back to this team next next year? And on the flip side, can the Canucks really get rid of him? I mean, like it seems like almost every team has this has a terrible contract on the books. Like, I don't know, man. What the hell is gonna happen with Uncle Louie, dude? He's just is he just gonna go retire and live on a beach somewhere? Yeah, like your two questions there. Well, can they bring him back? I hope that it's no. And can they trade him? I think it's also no. No, okay. So people talk about Louie Erickson making six million dollars a year, right? That's that's pretty insane. Okay, you convert that shit to Canadian, he's making fucking $8 million a year. So people got to start calling the $8 million man. Maybe that'll piss people off more and get him the hell out of here. Because he's stacking up eight mil playing for the Vancouver Canucks right now. And yeah, what he said with these comments, I know Jim Benning's addressed it. They're going to talk about it and what he kind of talked crap about Travis Green. Like, don't get me wrong, Jim Benning will probably have a talk with me after what I've said with Travis Green. Everything's fine. But... I think that if you look at, like, Louis Erickson coming back to this team, he already had a bad season again. He's already had terrible years. If there's any way to get this guy out of here, I would I would explore that option. Yeah, man. I, I, I've already theorized how to trade Louis Erickson in a couple uh, articles for Nux Misconduct there. I just have a hard time seeing Louis Erickson be traded without the Canucks eating, like, two, three million bucks of his salary, right? Like, it's going to be yeah. a hard deal to make. Unless you're doing something where you swap it for a guy like Lucic, but that's not really a great option either, so... <laughs> Hey, Lucic probably had more than three hits in fucking 81 games like Louie did. That's ridiculous. He had three hits in 81 games. Yeah, Jesus Christ. He he used to be the most underrated player in the league. Now I think he's probably (laughs) running with the title for the laziest player in the league. Let's go with that. A lot of money there. Chris, that was an awesome little little segment called The Right Angle. And the second time we've done it, you, you did a great job, man. Well, thank you, man. I can, yeah, you, you pick some good players for me to rant about those. I'm passionate about a few of those guys. So. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's some good names there. We're, we're gonna, we got a couple more things to do here on Silky and Filthy. We're gonna run a little segment that we like to call Beauty of the Week. This is gonna be more like Beauty of the Year. We're gonna go unsung style. So here it is Beauty of the Year. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Professional, unprecedented, and most recently, unconscionable. All right, so that was a little clip there that Kyle made. It's catchy, man. I like it. 
And we're gonna go. That's one of my favorite ones. Your beauty of the year thing is like you got a little nickel back in there. I think at some point, like that thing rolls, man. Or is that a different one? Anyway, no, no, I that... like your beauty of the year. Uh, no, it's there's there's a little nickel. Oh, that's no, that's actually meanwhile in Canada. Oh, wrong one. Ah, but that's right, yeah. you know, we're just trying to stir up the listeners, man. You know, I already talked about uh, being a fan of Nickelback, early two thousands Nickelback at least. You know, just just trying to stir up the fan base, and I, I got some shit from people. I'm not gonna lie, people people really hate Nickelback. And <laughs> yeah, Nickelback's underrated, bro. I'll put that out there too. I've given some shit song takes at this point, telling you that Katy Perry's great. I might as well just go over the top and say Nickelback. They're all right in my books too. Plus, like. Chad Kroger, Hero from the Spider-Man movie. That song bangs, dude. That's a great song. I know it's not by Nickelback, but uh, that Hero song from like the first Spider-Man movie, that is a hot track. Yeah, maybe th- maybe this is our beauty of the year right here, Chad Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> That's really going to piss some people off. But uh, yeah. how about it, Chris? We're, we're going unsung style for the Canucks beauty mm-hmm. there. It'd be easy to say Patterson. It'd be easy to say Besser. But uh, how about you throw me a beauty of the year unsung style for the Canucks? My Beauty of the year, absolutely. Uh, unsung beauty of the year because uh, actually, shout out to the Twitter guy, uh, Judd Brackett is underrated because that's my boy, man. I'm gonna go with Judd Brackett and the way that he's kind of reshaped his team from what he's drafted. And you look at guys like that he's picked in later rounds. Obviously, Adam Gaudet's the one that sticks out. That's a huge pickup for them. And seeing what Judd Brackett has done, he came into this team as like a small NCAA scout when he first got here. I think like seven or eight years ago. Uh, probably wrong with that amount of years, but I know he's been here for a good amount of time and he's worked his way up to being the director of scouting on this team and seeing, you know, the fact that they could draft guys like Elias Patterson at five and that was the guy they wanted, even though a lot of people had him ranked lower. Quinn Hughes kind of fell into their lap, but drafting a guy like Jet Wu, Tyler Madden, seeing what Jet Wu did in the dub this year, seeing what Tyler Madden did in the NCAA this year, like these players are starting to pan out that he's been a huge hand in drafting and Michael DiPietro is a great pick in the third round. I know that Kajovic and Lind had a little bit of a tough season here, but you know it's such a hard jump to make that jump into the into the AHL after playing in junior leagues, right? You're playing against guys younger or your age. Now you're playing against men that are playing professional hockey. I think that those guys still have a good potential for them. And then you even look at like Will Lockwood. I know that he's he's a good. I think there's I think there's a lot of future actually in Will Lockwood. And I'd be interested to see what he kind of does here moving forward because he's changed his game a lot over the past couple of years. I know the, the thing that people talk about is he was too. He was too, like, headstrong. He was going in way too hard into a lot of situations, and he's changed his game a lot, and he's played a lot better now at Michigan. And I know it's – I think that this whole team is starting to shape out the way that Judd Brackett's kind of, like, started adding these players, and all these players are such gamers. Like, Cole Lynn and Gadjevich, great picks because they just love the game of hockey. Like, Gadjevich has – I've mentioned it a bunch of times, but, like, Jonah Gadjevich, his picture on Elite Prospects is so sick. There's just, like, blood pouring down from his face. He's covered his jersey in blood, like – the dopest picture on elite prospects he's drafting guys that give a shit about hockey and he's drafting i think great guys at the same time like jet Wu, queen hughes two guys who fucking love hockey it's the number one thing in their lives and they've just been like raised to play hockey and i think that judd brackett man that, that's my dude that's my beauty of the year yeah that, that's a fucking solid choice man i'll give you that judd brackett has played a sometimes underrated role in reshaping this team the Canucks have had some really strong drafts I think that all makes us excited to see what's going to happen at the draft in just a few days time Um, I'm going to go with my beauty there I tossed around a couple names I kind of wanted to go with like a Canucks prospect but man I got to go with the pride of Richmond man Troy Stetcher this guy is an absolute beauty sometimes with the Canucks there's not a lot of things to cheer about other than Pedersen and Besser but the rise of Troy Stetcher the way A he's overcome his size being undrafted 
And it seems like in the past two years, you know, Travis Green has pegged this guy as a third-pairing defenseman, giving him 15, 16 minutes a night for two straight seasons. He's had to overcome that. I think he's proved that he's got one of the, the best brains on the Canucks. This guy has a nice, soft, wet brain. I'll give that to mm-hmm. Troy Stetcher. A very soft, wet brain for Troy Stetcher. Um, just an absolute beauty. I think it was really nice to see him have some success with Team Canada at the Worlds as well. Just capped off a, a really good season for him. Um, I, I do think he's a building block for the future. We talk about trade trips for the Canucks. I know people don't want to hear this, but there's not many. Troy's Desher would be one of them, but I do think he's more of a an a, an answer than a, than a guy you trade out. But uh, Troy's Desher, I gotta give him a shout out, man. The pride of Richmond, BC. Not quite as nice of a city as Nanaimo, but uh, you know what? Shout out to Richmond. You know, Steve's is pretty nice too. <laughs> Shout out to Richmond. My mom, my mom's over in Richmond, so yeah, big shout out to them. And, and like you met, like what he did in the second half of the year, his last 34 games. He plays t- over 23 and a half minutes in those games. So, yeah, like what you talked about, Travis Green, I think, has kind of fallen in love with Troy Stetcher a lot right now. Yeah, no, hard for me to ignore ignore Troy Stetcher for uh, Beauty of the Year, unsung style, Troy Stetcher. Mm-hmm. Chris, we're going to wrap up this episode of Silky and Filthy with a little draft talk, man. And I got to ask you about one of these guys who you are over the moon about, Victor Soderstrom. Do you see Do you see the Canucks picking him at 10? And uh, tell me a bit about why, why you love this guy. I love him. I see him picking them at 10. I think it's an option for them to trade down to 12 and maybe pick him still, but um, I, I would have no problem drafting Quinn Hughes' partner of the future in Victor Soderstrom. Victor Soderstrom plays a game that no other defenseman in this draft does. I mean, Bowen Byron, don't get me wrong, he drives the play. I think he's really good at, at moving the puck up ice. I think that he's probably, he is the best defenseman in this draft. I'm not going to go crazy and say Soderstrom's better, but when I look at Soderstrom, the way that he plays the game, People talk about hockey smart so much, hockey IQ, and I guess the thing that I don't like when people say, oh, he's got great hockey IQ, they don't talk about why. And the why Victor Soderstrom has such great hockey IQ is the way that he can move in the offensive zone, rotate into the perfect position, be there to make the passing lanes open up better. It's something that we see with like good power plays. Good power plays that move the puck nice is something that Vancouver did for so long that made it so bad on the power play was they would stay so stagnant in their positions that they would just they wouldn't open up passing lanes. See what Victor Soderstrom is able to do in the SHL, one of the best leagues in the world at a professional level, and he's able to just open up the ice for other players in passing lanes. I think that his offensive ability in the zone to move around, to have a good shot, to just create the opportunity for good passes. And he's playing on the bigger ice in the SHL. So the fact that he could open up passing lanes and still make like a cross ice pass, this kid can really move the puck. You watch the way that he plays defense. He's constantly surveying the ice. Like he's back and forth with his head, looking at every other player. When the other defenseman jumps in, Soderstrom knows when to cover. He's he's everything that I like about a defenseman. And it was like game one that I saw him play. I was like, holy shit, this kid, like he would have games where he just was not out of place once in a full SHL game. And I'm thinking like, hey, this kid at his age, he's like 17 years old playing against these men who really understand. And that's the other thing about the Swedish Hockey League. They know how to play offense in the SHL. Like the defense is great. They move the puck well, but they really understand offense. Like. They, they have such of like, the smoothest, or, or silky, I guess is the word I should use on this show. They have some of the silkiest two-on-ones and three-on-twos where the passing's just so great. And the fact that Victor Soderstrom was able to play in such an offensive league and show such good defensive capabilities, I, I think that that's the reason why the Canucks are taking the 10. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting take right there. I, I I was trying to steer the pot a bit. I was hope I was hoping uh, you get a little riled up. I wrote an article for Daily Hive saying the Canucks should not draft a defenseman at tenth overall. <laughs> and hey, you know what? It's no offense to, to Victor Stoddersrum. I'm a fan of his game. I just think at ten there are some other forwards with first line potential who are going to be pretty hard to pass up on. One thing I did theorize though, if the Canucks do want to chase Stoddersrum. They got to trade down. I think they got to at least really explore the idea of trading down. One team I kind of eyed was the Arizona Coyotes. I do think the Coyotes have a pretty strong defense. Their pipeline's pretty good in terms of defensemen. You got some young guys in the NHL like uh, Jacob Chitrin, obviously. Ekman Larson's a stud. Arizona's really lacking some offense, man. After guys like uh, Keller are now in the NHL, um, I think they if the Canucks really want to trade draft Victor Soderstrom. Um, or even a guy maybe like Moritz Cedar. I'm probably butchering that name too, but uh, I'm a fan of his game as well. I think they need to look at trading down. I think number 14 would probably be a realistic spot to take uh, a guy like Soderstrom. That's just my take, man. Yeah, I, I think that there's a chance he's there at 14. I think that once you get to kind of once you get to 12, that's when you actually want. I think 12 is where Soderstrom kind of goes ish. Like the other interesting thing you talked about Moritz Cedar there, and like the defenseman in that group. They're going to run off together. I just had Cam Robinson on for a mailbag episode. He talked about it. Like, as soon as one of those defensemen go, like, that's when they all go. Because, like, as soon as Soderstrom goes, York's going to be the next guy. Then you're going to have Harley going. You're going to have Sider going. You're going to have, like, Hinola possibly going that high. Like, there's a lot of guys that are just going to fly off this board for defensemen. So, like, you kind of need – that's where it's going to be really interesting. As soon as that defenseman goes off the board, I think that the other ones are just going to fall right after. So, we might see, like, an abundance of trades in a row there when we have that big run of defensemen. So that, that'll make it kind of fun at the draft. So I'm excited I'm going to be at the draft this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. There you go, man. And as uh, Bruce Almighty would say, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's the way the cookie crumbles <laughs> sometimes, you know? Okay, Chris, so we obviously know that uh, you're a fan of Soderstrom. Let's make a little prediction. We're a couple days out from the draft. Who are the Canucks taking at 10th overall? Yeah, I've uh, I've said it since I, since I first watched them play. I think they are taking Victor Soderstrom at number 10. The interesting thing for me is, you know, we hear about these interviews. We hear about guys like Alex Newhook being interviewed a couple times. We hear that the Canucks are interested in Peyton Krebs, and Matt Boldy has had interviews at the, at the uh, Combine. But, you know, they, they haven't really talked about Soderstrom a lot, and this is, like, very similar to what they did with Elias Pettersson. Like, there was we heard about the we heard publicly about interviews with Cody Glass, and we are like, everybody was thinking the Canucks are getting Cody Glass at five. Then they draft, and then they draft Elias Pettersson at number five, and it's like, Oh, and then we hear later on, like I think like years later, we hear, oh yeah, he had two interviews in person in Vancouver. I I would not be shocked at all to see that Victor Soderstrom, who's now in North America because he was at the Combine, you know, if he's if he's been talking with the Canucks, I would not be shocked at all. I think they want that right shot defenseman. The only thing that makes it interesting for me is if Edmonton goes and drafts a guy like Philip Broberg and they, they take that defenseman that high, I, I think that opens up the opportunity for a guy like Trevor Zegers to be there at 10. And, and I know that I'm super high on Soderstrom, but if Zegers is also there at 10, uh, I, I don't pass on Zegers at that point. No, definitely not. A- another great Trevor. You know, even a better last name than me, man. Zegers, what a name, what a name. <laughs> Trevsky. Yeah, man, there what? we go. He's a, sil- he's a silky player for sure. Even He's a little bit filthy too, man. I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, man? I-, I could see one of the names like Zegers or like Dylan Cozens like falling down the list. Like maybe, maybe the Canucks do land one of those guys, man. It's going to be a crazy draft weekend. I'm just going to throw a Dylan Cousins out there. Why not, man? Maybe the Canucks draft Dylan Cousins. Maybe he falls. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if Cousins falls. The three names, and I think that the Canucks are coming out of this draft with one of these three guys. It's Cole Caulfield, Trevor Zegers, or Victor Soderstrom. I think they're coming out with one of those three, and I love all three of those guys. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, I, I can see them taking new hooker Boldy too, man. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, okay? <laughs> I have no idea. It's going to be a crazy weekend. 
this has been a crazy episode. Chris, you're a beauty. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Silky and Filthy Man. Hope hope you enjoyed your time here, man. I did, man. I really enjoyed my time. It's always fun because when I do when I do these conversations, I'm interviewing somebody, I, I get like 50 words in. So thanks for letting me rant a little bit on your show here. I had a lot of fun, man. Yeah, man. That right angle segment, man. You killed it with those 90 seconds, man. You really you <laughs> made you made your time count. You did a good job. Appreciate it. Man. I'm happy to be on Silky and Filthy, man. You guys got the best intro ever. A little silky and filthy. That what? little freaking. Where we talk a lot of hockey. Oh yeah, yeah, man. That was that was a night, man. Jesus, we just uh, we just started fucking around on the mic, and then that that somehow came out. It was it was interesting, man. Good times. Good <laughs> That's times. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. I uh, really appreciate it. And like I said, man, like you guys have been you guys have been doing such cool content that I think is something that's really different from all the other podcasts, especially like, I know that you guys don't really focus a hundred percent on the Vancouver Canucks. You guys like to go around the NHL, but like as a Vancouver hockey podcast, uh, you guys are like in your own kind of market. I think what you guys are doing is like a, so much fun at the same time while you're also like covering, covering very well, doing a good job of talking like hockey. But I think like, like I mentioned, the thing that you guys are doing different is, is the bullshit, man. I, I think I said the same thing to Kyle. Uh, you guys both have like such good chemistry together. It makes for such an awesome show, man. And uh, yeah, just happy to be featured on here before you guys blow up and become uh, number five in Canada. That'd be dope. <laughs> uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to end this end this podcast right here. I'm going to start crying, man. You got some kind words for Silky and Filthy, man. I got I got some silky tears flowing down my cheeks right now, man. <laughs> what a beautiful episode of Silky and Filthy. Chris Faber, Canucks Conversation. Go check it out. Beautiful podcast. We had fun on this episode, and we'll catch you filthy bastards next time. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed, you just remember what your old past said. Boy, you got a friend in me Yeah, you